folks, welcome to Tales from the Abyss, the most unselfish, unfiltered, unapologetic, unpretentious, the greatest celebration of freedom of speech. Oh, Jay, wait a minute. I mean, I'm trying to change the format in here because of the new logo and all that, but nah. Yeah. Welcome to Tales from the Abyss, the most unfiltered, uncut, unapologetic, unpretentious, the greatest celebration of freedom of speech in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Tell him, Jay. There it is. I knew it was going to come out of you. Folks, thank you for tuning in for another great episode of Tales from the Abyss. I am Jay Linderin, along here with my co-host and good friend, Mr. Powell Rojo. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to switch up movie genres tonight. We're going to go back to the late 1970s. And no, we're not talking about disco movies like Saturday Night Fever. No, sir. We are going to be talking about Hong Kong cinema. And when you think of Hong Kong cinema... You think of Kung Fu and probably the Shaw Studios, the Shaw Brothers. And the Phantom Mob. Oh, man, we're going to be looking at a very classic, cult classic tonight. And with that, I want to pass it over to you, my friend. Why don't you tell everybody what we're doing? Jay, the Five Deadly Venoms, one of the biggest classics of that studio, in that studio's history. And, um... They got some fans out there that are hardcore about this, Jay. They can crucify us if we uh, say something that they don't like. So every time, every time something goes on that I don't know or that I get stumped talking to you, I'm going to be like, hey, man, what about that Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to pass it on to Aaron Rodgers. Every time something, every time I don't know something tonight, I'm just going to be like, how about that Aaron Rodgers situation? Yeah. Yeah. But well, Jay, there's all the, kinds of situations out oh, there. Oh, man. <laughs> there's a lot of things, bad things, good things, all up in between. I don't blame him if he, you know. We don't yeah. judge people if they don't take the vaccine. If it's not for you, it's not for you. That's not my business to judge you. Yeah, I agree. 100%. But Jay, August, yes, August the 12th, 1978. The Venom Mob classic from Shaw Brothers Studios. Uh-huh. And this is uh man, this is one of my favorites, Jay. This one, I mean, it just it just this guy's made history with this one. It was like nothing else out there. Look, you know, I'm gonna be honest. I just finished watching this movie. I mean, I've seen it before, but I rewatched it today uh-huh. to refresh myself. And uh I just finished watching it about ten minutes ago. Wow. So I do that sometimes because it keeps everything fresh. And um, at least to me it does because I promise you I've never used any notes or anything. So Wow. Um, so I just got finished watching it. And, you know, and every once in a while I'll get in my little kung fu movie moods. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and find something to watch. And I have my favorites, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, but the Five Deadly Venoms... To me, I really liked it, and I can see how it's a cult classic, mainly because the the plot of the movie isn't a simple revenge plot that no, you no. normally get. Yeah, uh, they, this they, is, they this got elaborated movie, with this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie's not just about fighting and... And all that kind of stuff. I mean, this movie—it's got a—it's got a lot of layers. I mean, there's, it's a movie about greed. It's about you know people going after that uh, teacher's money. Yeah, and also uh, the teacher having to put an end to the students because he um he realized how they were going in the wrong direction. Right, 
He unleashed this weapon upon the earth. What's that? He unleashed this weapon upon the earth, and he had to put him down. Yeah, it's kind of like Dr. Frankenstein. It's kind of Dr. Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, that's what I like and love about, you know, Five Deadly Venoms is the, um, you know, the plot details. It's a, deep down, despite the Kung Fu action and stuff, deep down, it's a very kind of complicated movie. It is. It is. It has. It has such an intense meaning. A lot of those 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 movies had uh, great teachings in it. Right. Great l lessons to be learned from them. And also, the one thing that I have always been captivated by the uh, by a lot of those uh, kung fu movies, the ones that are classic, is the uh, face expression when one of the uh, good guys have to uh, take somebody's life. Right. The pain that they feel from having to do something like that. That's something that we don't see these days in a lot of movies. Uh, absolutely. At all. And that's to I me, mean, there's a lot of uh, regret. There's a lot of remorse. Yeah, a lot of remorse from doing something that they knew that it was wrong, even though they knew that they were put in a position that they have to do it. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. And the better of the Kung Fu movies, especially the ones from the, you know, the, for, there's about a 10 year period, you know, mid 70s to late 80s. Um, where you know several of these came out a year over in Hong Kong, but the great ones have that part of the story when the hero doesn't really want to be a hero and doesn't want to do what he has to do. Exactly, but somehow, some way, he gets put in that position where he has no choice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like that here in Five Deadly Venoms. Yep, and speaking of the five deadly venoms, let's go over a lot of them and the things that they did, like Sung Shane, Shane, if I pronounce his name, I'm sorry, but he was the scorpion, and his, right. his thing was that uh, the high kicks that you uh, witnessed, that was all him. He was a master of the high kicks. And it got up there for show. Oh, man. Those were beautiful kicks. Like, that that cat could actually put it put put that, that kick on somebody's temple, even if you were a basketball player. Oh, I know, man. I mean, it's very... I know in these kung fu movies, you, you see people with kicks and high kicks and stuff, but this guy, he could kick the moon in the teeth. <laughs> yes. And, you know uh, what I mean? He always he always played a villain or a traitor. Even in when right. he when he played a he played in the 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 kid with the golden arm, and also he was in a Rebel Intruders. I've not seen Rebel Intruders. I, I own it, and it, it, he he played a bad guy on that one. Which uh, okay, hey, real quick, just away from the movie for a second. I was going to ask you because I did some research on Hong Kong films all week, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. um, How about that, Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Yay or nay. <laughs> but uh, have you seen the Shaw Brothers film Heroes of the East? Yes, yes, yes. Because it's been getting good reviews, and I was just wondering what your thoughts were on it. No, it's very good. It's very, very good movie. Okay, cool. I might so, own it here. I got to look around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I need to start getting my own uh, collection together. I've got a few, man. I've got a couple of... Uh, yeah, Bruce Lee Blu-rays. Uh -huh. um, no, I know, I know. I got Enter the Dragon on Blu-ray. 
and I got uh, the Five Deadly Bantams and the Return of the Five Deadly Bantams in Blu-ray. Where did you find this movie on Blu-ray? Um, well, the 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 um the 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 first one, the the Five Deadly Bantams on Blu-ray, was a uh, a Best Buy. When Best Buy used to have that section years ago, many uh-huh. years ago. They okay. used to they used to have that section that they actually got a lot of rare stuff and imports. Right. Whoever handled that for Best Buy, they always did a good job because they even had the original Baltron, the one that they called themselves Lions and shit. Oh, uh, the Japanese version. Yeah, and they had a lot of rare stuff. Go, like Go Lion Go or something. Go Lion Go, yeah. So that's where I got it. And the second one I think I got it at Bootleg. But but the first one, yeah, you can still find it in Blu-ray. I got you. Mm-hmm. But overall, the movie itself, you know, it's a second ago we were talking about the plot and how intricate it kind of became. It's, uh, I love it. I well, love they, it. they emphasize some good acting on them. You know, they were good actors. The camera how, loved I, them. How about that teacher in the very beginning getting sitting in that hot tub that's being hand-pumped? <laughs> <laughs> How old school is that? Dude, I cracked up laughing. I was like, that is the fucking life. <laughs> My God. And you got this dude hand pumping this hot tub, and all you got to do is sit there and tell old stories. Yep. But he had the knowledge. He was the abbot. Yep. Then um, another one of the, the characters of the Benham Mop, and they called themselves the Benham Mop because of, they were on all those uh, all those uh, movies. Somehow, some way, they the, found their the, way. Uh, Hong Kong cinema. Yeah, they found their way, and this is um. You there? Yeah, I'm right here. Can you hear Hello? me? Hello. Yes, can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me? It's Jay's phone acting up. No problem. So, Felix Walk, like I was right. saying, known as uh Kuo Chui in the uh in the East. He played uh-huh. the he played the lizard, and this man was an exceptional acrobat and a well trained martial artist. Uh, he he was always uh, the main bantam in all of their movies, and always played a good guy. This is which I'm uh, sure he, he had to have been in hundreds of these things. Man, he was the only one of all of them that actually went on to uh, have the longest career, and um, you know he. Um, he always worked behind the scenes, and he also acted. He um he was in Hard Boil. He played uh Mad Dog. Oh man, what a fantastic movie! Yep, and John that's a John Woo classic, and he played oh, Mad yeah. Dog, and he also worked with uh with the fighting scenes on that one. So you know how great this man is. Absolutely, I mean I can't say enough about Hard Boil. Hard Boil is a uh, it's just a classic. I mean it's it's got everything, man. It's got Probably not as much martial arts as you think, because there's a lot of gunplay. But I tell you what, it's it's fantastic. The action set pieces, every single one of them could be a climax to any American action movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That was that was probably Jung Woo's best movie. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, there's a couple other ones I like, but yeah, definitely. I, I think Hard Boy is the best. I actually own that on DVD though. Wow. It's that that is a good movie to own. Absolutely, I, I I think there's a Blu-ray copy of it. I just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Same here. 
Same here, because I think I own a bootleg copy of it, but I don't think I own a, the real deal on Blu-ray or something like that with special commentaries and stuff. Right. Because that movie was ahead of its time. It was, big time. I mean, that's what got John Woot noticed in America. Mm-hmm. That's what brought him here. I think he, he came here and he did that uh that shitty Hulk movie, but then he did a... Uh, he did a... What's his name? Uh, he did a Mi- hard target. Yeah, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible 2, yeah. Yeah, but he did a, he did the Hulk, right? No, that was the Ang Lee. Oh, Ang, well, they're going to say I'm a racist and I'm confusing the, the Asian people. No, the Ang, the Ang Lee's Hulk was crap. Yeah, okay, so that's... I fell asleep. You know. I fell asleep like four times. Okay, so thank God John Woo never did that. John Woo did a... Uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, and he did Hard Target and Face Off. Yeah, we know that he did those, and those were great movies. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that actor you were just talking about, the one that's been around forever, if he it was involved in Hard Boiled, that means he is legit. Yeah, oh, this guy is legit. Straight up legit. He was Mad Dog, man. Mad Dog. You know, Mad Dog was a badass. Gosh, he's kick-ass, man. Yeah. And then we move, of course, for Xiang uh, Cheng. He gets credit, always has gotten credit for being a member of the Venom Mob. But in 1978, he basically, he was casted to defeat them um, in this movie because he was the one that the teacher had to go and talk to and be like, some of my students are turning evil. Right. And he sent them after them. He was a great acrobat. He did his own stunts. And this man was a, a master with the swords. Right. But unfortunately for him, when the Venom stopped making movies in the mid-80s, he was, uh, uh, he, he tried and tried to get into the, um, into the movies, but there was no work for him. And, and unfortunately, he had to divorce his wife because he wasn't bringing home the income. And in 1991, uh, he died of a heart attack. They say he was drinking too much at the age of 40. Wow, that's that's still a very young age. Yeah, that that was a shame that uh that that he died uh, and he couldn't he couldn't pass his greatness. Yeah, that's 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 a shame too. Yeah, you hate to hear stuff like, that, especially talented talented individuals like that. You know? Yeah, because the, the you know those people that were you know they're part of history. This movie is uh gonna go on forever. I mean, isn't Five Daily Venoms one of the kung fu movies that inspired Tarantino? Yes, that was that's one of his favorite movies too. I don't blame yeah. I think he named the you know the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad and Kill Bill. I think that's kind of a nod to Five Deadly Venoms. To the Five Deadly Venoms, yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, well, hey, but you know Tarantino's got inspiration everywhere. So. <laughs> yeah. And then we got Lu Feng. He was the centipede. In in real life, he was a a spear expert. That was that was why he always had a, a spear in all his movies. Ah, did not know that. Very nice. Yeah, he was a legitimate legitimate. And then, of course, we got Lo Lo Meng, the Toad. And uh, they 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 call him uh, throughout his career the sh- uh, the the Shaolin Hercules. And his career, of course, still goes on. I mean, he played monkey style. He was a monkey style expert. Uh, he he was in Master Law in three the IP Man and all three of the IP Man movies. He was the the monk the 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 
monkey as style expert with done right. again. So the Venoms have continued for the most part. There's always been some kind of a Venom thing going on in all the movies. And everything, excuse me, and everything one that they did. Yep. So I mean, were they all sequels to each other, or are they just this one group that worked in all those movies? No, there was just uh, one group. They called themselves the Venom Mob because they, they were they were you know somehow some way they worked together in all the movies. I got you. Okay, well, hey, that's pretty cool, man. If you got your own little little acting crew, man, you got your buddies hanging around. Yeah, I mean, then they had a fallout of a few of them, and they came back and and made peace and came back and did some great movies. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, this is uh, I mean, the fighting in this, I mean, the end, the end fight in it is just nonstop. Look, I, I, like I said, I finished watching that, you know, five daily venoms about five minutes or ten minutes before we started, and which meant I just sat here and watched the end fight scene, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. No, that thing is just coming at you when you think it's going to stop. It just intensifies. It's to me, great kung fu, especially in these movies, is poetry in motion. And every once in a while, you have a kung fu movie. Well, that was cool. But then you have the other kung fu films that have those scenes that are just spectacular. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the end of Five Deadly Venoms was like that. The fighting scene was outstanding. There was, like you just said, nonstop. Yeah. Just when it slowed down a bit, it picked right back up. And then you find out who the real villain was, too, at the end. <laughs> yeah, because they, even when they were trained, they were trained with masks. Right. So you knew the style, but you never knew who was behind the mask. Right. You, ne- you didn't see the face in the beginning. Exactly. Until they took it all off at the end, and then they came after each other. And then that's when you knew who was who. Right. And then, of course, like I was talking about greed earlier. I mean, they're looking for money. They're trying to go after this fortune from the one that their teacher, their other teacher, something like that. Yep. So, um, you know, everybody's trying to get rich. How about, how about the return of the the five deadly bandits? Have you seen that one? I've not seen that one. How is it? Oh, that was good, man. They do some torture scenes in that one that are just ahead of their time. Definitely have to look it up. Yeah, it was a unique story where you have a, a two fighters. The one is deaf and the other one is mute. Uh-huh. And they coexist throughout the movie helping each other out to get vengeance. I gotcha. But Jay, do you think uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, do you consider that to be a martial arts movie? I consider it to be a boring movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but... <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the effort in putting together an epic-style martial arts film. Uh And don't get me wrong, the cinematography, the way the film looks, is excellent. It looks fantastic. And then you have, you know, um, veteran kung fu actors like Chow Yun-Fat and and Michelle Yeoh. Great. But the problem was, Ang Lee... You know, if you ever see Ang Lee's Hulk and you fig- you're trying to figure out how in the hell can an incredible Hulk movie be boring, well, this one will make you think, how in the hell can a Kung Fu movie be boring? Yeah. No, it, it wasn't it, it for just me. Kinda, it just, it just kind of drags. Yeah, it, was just, it, was, it wasn't for me. I mean, it's just... I think it was just they wanted to present some kind of beautiful artistic uh, 
movie right. without Kung Fu, but they wanted to put Kung Fu in the marquee to get you to buy a ticket and go watch it back when buying a ticket to go see a movie was so important. I used to save my movie tickets back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I yeah. had a drawer full of them at my parents' house, I think. Yeah, but, uh, and, you know, they put uh, they put Kung Fu in the marquee, but, you know, it wasn't much Kung Fu. It was just boring. And then Aang Lee gets the Hulk job, and he makes the Incredible Hulk boring. And then he does Brokeback Mountain. Guess what? Boring. Well, I never here. seen Brokeback Mountain, so I don't think we're going to be reviewing that one anytime soon. No, no, we're not. But I, I think I think that was a a way for the 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 you know the the people in Hollywood, the ones that actually hate this country and are <laughs> they live in it and they hate it, for them to do something uh, to try to showcase the American Western in a in a in a way that would create controversy, you know. Well, you gotta you gotta think about going back to the kung fu epic now you know kung fu really broke through in america of course with enter the dragon yes and the enter the dragon to me is an epic kung fu movie not because the movie because the movie's not over two hours when you consider epic you know epic's what a three-hour movie it's like lawrence of arabia or something mm -hmm. but what i mean by epic is just the scope of it the look of it the plot I mean, it shows Kung Fu in its element. I mean, you have a Mortal Kombat-style tournament. And Bruce Lee is this undercover agent who gets, you know, trying to infiltrate this hands. mysterious island. Yeah, the hand, hands, right. Mr. Hands yeah. uh, Island, where they're, they're poisoning the girls with heroin and using them for prostitution. Well, I mean, and then think about this, too. I mean, the end fight of that movie is iconic. Oh, it's superb when he tells him you have disrespected the, the uh, Shaolin Temple. Right. And then he comes after him and Han is fighting for it. Come to think about it, Hans is like Jeffrey Epstein back in the day. <laughs> he, Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Bruce Bruce uh, Bruce Lee was such a genius that he had a uh, he had something in there for everybody to uh, to pull for. You know, you had this badass black guy who had a backstory, and they show you how he ended up there. You had the hustler white guy, yeah, and they all come together and uh, try to bring down this evil man at the end. Well, not all of them. I think Paxson and uh, and Bruce Lee got together because. Uh, they uh hands kill uh he killed the, the 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 black man that he tried to recruit him and then he tried to accuse him of doing something that that he hadn't done yep and took his life yeah that was that was a movie that was ahead of his time and then i mean they after doing some research apparently a lot of people consider um a lot of people consider Five Fingers of Death, a big one, or an important one, due to the fact it was widely popular um, back in the grindhouse circuit in the mid to late 70s. Yes, I own that one, and that is a uh, that is a very popular movie. Yeah, and not, I myself saw it probably 15 years ago, so it's been forever. But, um, you know, stuff like that, those movies are epic to me just because of the plot they they took 
a Hong Kong movie plot, and then you know the American audiences were able to see it. But Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is yeah. They, I don't know, man. <laughs> Sometimes movies win all these awards, and it makes you wonder why. You know what I say about a movie like that? What's that? Man, what's up with that Aaron Rodgers guy? <laughs> because um, yeah, that that movie there's uh. There's absolutely nothing that I can say about that. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I try watching it. I pass out. Yeah, I think I, it's people like you and me that grew up watching all these uh, classic kung fu movies. We just can't watch that one and appreciate it. I just can't. I mean, like I say, no disrespect to anybody who does like it or whoever made it or whatever. It's just not my cup of tea. You know what I mean? It's, no, just no. Not, it's just not my favorite beer in, in the case. Hey, so. by, by the way, since we're talking about all kinds of stuff and you got the sports uh, uh, yeah. show and all that, just want to be sure for the record, uh, congratulations to all those wonderful people in Georgia for the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. <laughs> in a the few boys. days. And, uh-huh. Yeah, that's your, that's your home. Uh, and a few days yeah. before that, uh, big shout out to the Carolina Panthers who legitimately beat... Um, <laughs> the Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons couldn't beat themselves. Okay? No, they were on a they were on a winning streak. Even though the uh, the 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 Panthers were playing the refs and the Falcons as the first uh, touchdown to uh, DJ Moore was taken away hey, from him. I told you last week that the Falcons were the worst three and three team you've ever seen. Nah, Falcons were legit. Falcons is a great team. They'll be back yeah. to their winning ways this week. Nah, they're going straight to the toilet bowl. Nah, they won't. But as far as my Braves, man, long time coming. Hey, when they won the World Series, I was in straight up shock. Oh, Jay, how, how was the celebration in Georgia? <laughs> I was in shock, man. I watched it by myself, me and the dog. Oh, really? Because it was yeah, late. I had my dog Charlie here with me. Uh, that was the reason why we couldn't do a show on Tuesday, wasn't it? Well, I thought there was, yeah. I uh. mean, I, I knew I was going to be locked in on that game. Oh god! So, I, I, I thought mean, I, I did, thought the Astros yeah. would give them a bigger run for their money, like it would go all the way to seven. Oh, you know, I sat here with a couple tall boys, had a couple shots of moonshine, and Woo. I was ready to party. And then it happened; they won first time in twenty six years, I think. Yeah, um, they won, and I just sat there in shock, no emotion. Like you know, this just happened. One of my teams. Outside of Alabama, won a championship. One of my Atlanta teams won a championship. But did you, did you hear any noise around you when they won? Or did I everybody? Stepped outside, uh-huh. I stepped outside to have a quick smoke, and uh, yeah, you heard some neighbors yelling. Uh, oh, okay, like back okay. Woods. Okay, because I know you live in a pretty uh, well-behaved area, so I was just wondering. Yeah, well, dude, we live what fifteen minutes from the stadium. So yeah, wow. Yeah, and then my office building is used for game day parking, so I have a parking pass. Oh wow! So you actually, you actually have seen this thing evolve this year. Oh man, I've I've been I took my me and my son went to three games. Yeah, I know you did. Uh-huh. Uh Me, like my father-in-law and my stepdaughter went to went to one game because we used his badass company tickets. Mm-hmm. And then I went two other times with some friends. Well, let's let's wish the people of Georgia um, well. I always enjoy having them in the city here in Charlotte when they have games. 
But right now, there's a shortage of bottles. And maybe it's not a good time to have them around because they drink everything inside. <laughs> <laughs> the last time, they, they drank the city uh, completely dry, man. It was from Saturday to Sunday. They beat Clemson. And the city was in big trouble on that Sunday. I remember I had to work a wedding and we were struggling to provide, uh, to find beer. We had to go to different supermarkets and stuff. And I work at a pretty high-end place. Look, the Braves championship parade is tomorrow. Oh, early, all right. Early tomorrow afternoon. Friday. I got to pick up my son tomorrow. We're, uh, we're going to my parents tomorrow for my nephew's uh, high school football game. But, uh, but dude, this city right now, sports-wise, is on freaking fire. But, Jay, if they win the national championship, then that would be the biggest party of them all, bigger than the World Series. Well, I hope Georgia doesn't win a championship. Well, so. yeah, because you're an Alabama fan, but yeah. I'm just telling those, you, if they did. Hard, hey, those are Georgia fans, look. God bless them because I know they won a championship so bad. But you know what? Kiss my ass because they like to ride me, and I'm like, dude, you've got nothing to cheer for. You haven't won a title since Christ died. What are you talking about? Since the eighties, I think they me. won. <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's him. Don't stop. Don't stop listening to the show because he's an Alabama fan. What about that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers guy? Hey, nobody hates on excellence. No. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. We'll see if Alabama's there at the end since the Bearcats we'll got. We'll see, man. Bama's not as good as they were last year, no, but no, they're, they're still pretty good. Yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah. And so, then, uh, as, far, as far as that, man, yeah, everybody's pumped up about, about the Braves still. Like, I still don't think it'll really set in until the parade tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a Friday. I wasn't used to hearing about a parade on Friday. Usually they do them the day after. Yeah, they're doing it tomorrow, man. They're uh, shoot. They they are letting all the schools out. Everything. Hmm. That's crazy. I mean, it's gonna. Hey, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be nuts in in downtown Atlanta tomorrow night. It's gonna be a super spreader. And then Metallica is playing the Braves ballpark, their stadium Saturday. Oh my God! You're going? Hell no! I oh. can't. I'd have to sell an organ. Oh, <laughs> that expensive. Yeah, man, I, try, I already tried to sell one for the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been to the World Series, and it was a great experience watching the Phillies win the uh, the World Series. So I know I know how good that is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I tried to go to a game, man, but damn at the prices. It yeah. was, dude, standing room only at Truist Park where the Braves play was $1,000. <laughs> That's what I had. I had standing only $400 to watch the... The Phillies beat uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, 2008. 2008, yep. Other than that, I've been to World Series. I've been to the World Series. I mean, I've been to the three WrestleManias, and I'm done. I'm done with all the big sporting events, spending money and all that. I hear you. But well. going back to our Kung Fu extravaganza. <laughs> and we were talking about... uh. All these other classics that came around that, that had the Benhams in it, part of the Benham mob. Right. And uh, the kid with the golden arm comes to my mind. Okay. Because that was a, uh, it's just a great, a great, great, great movie. And, and also the, uh, I don't know if this one has the Benhams in it. Maybe it does. The, the, the one-armed swordsman. Uh, that movie is awesome. 
That is a classic. Yes, that movie is fantastic. I put that movie right up there with this one. What's your favorite kung fu movies from that era? From well, let's just say, yeah, I guess from that era as a whole. Do you have like a favorite one or two? Uh, with the one Arf Sarsman, um, the Five Deadly Bantams. Believe uh-huh. it or not, the Return of the Five Deadly Bantams. That movie's always been special to me. Okay. And um, yeah, Game of okay. Death. <laughs> and the Big Boss. Yeah, favorite kung fu movie yeah because it's such an intense movie yeah i mean the shaw brothers didn't do that one uh golden harvest did but yeah still at the same time yeah the big boss was actually the first kung fu movie i ever saw um you know yeah i think that might have been everybody's really in america it might have been everybody's on vhs though yeah. it was renamed fist of fury fist of fury yeah well then again yeah. people in big cities in new york they always had that uh those theaters that had Kung Fu, you know, like, like the Wu-Tang Clan members always talked about, they would go and watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never got I, to see a Kung Fu movie in the movie theater. I didn't either. I mean, some of the modern stuff, maybe like Kill Bill. But. Yeah, that's what I did. And, and Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja, those type of movies like Revenge that. Revenge of the Ninja. Wow, hey. there's a classic. Yay. Hey. Oh, Ninja 3 Domination. Hey, I was uh, that was the the the, the greatest uh, ninja kill scene in the history of a uh, movie. Seventy eight police officers dead in the beginning of. Wow. I mean, the left and Antifa would have had a field day with that movie. That should be right up there. I'm surprised they haven't put that one to. Uh, where is it to protect it in the uh, in the Capitol in the museum? Well, I'm about to buy tickets next week because a week from Sunday. At that local Plaza Theater I told you about, they share a bunch of retro stuff. Uh-huh. They're doing a very special screening of Ninja 3 Domination on VHS. Oh! Yeah. Wow. That, uh, wow. Hey, that is that movie, I always love that. People people take talk shit about that movie, and they put it down. And apparently somebody from behind the scenes or whatever, they're coming to speak, take questions. Oh, wow. So, somebody that worked that, in that movie? I guess. Uh, yeah, that's what they said. I mean, that's like 15 bucks for a ticket. It's worth it, man. And then you get a double feature. Um, after that, they're going to show, I think it's either Enter the Ninja or Revenge of the Ninja. It's one of the two. Both are good. But uh, I don't remember much about Enter the Ninja other than they have Franco Nero, who's Italian. <laughs> and, and I think he played the bad guy, right? No, he played the hero. He's supposed to play like this American Texan. Okay, so then the other one is the one that he plays the bad guy. Yeah, the Shogashugi, who's the main ninja. Yeah, he was the good guy in Revenge. Revenge of the Ninja. That's where he's protecting his son. And uh, Frank Nero is putting the heroines inside the statues until he finds out and he puts an end to it. Because, you know, Enter the Ninja was directed by the now infamous, was it Menahem Golan? Uh-huh. From, from the Canon Pictures? Yes. And it was funny because I saw an interview with Franco Nero uh, on the documentary about Canon Films. And um, Franco Nero was like, why do you want me in this picture? I'm Italian or whatever it was. And, uh... You know, he's trying to play this big, burly American Texan. Yeah. So, so they had to 
they, they had to go back in and they brought in another actor to dub his lines. <laughs> and so, and I thought about it, I was like, so I went back and watched it, I was like, man, they, they fudged the ball on this one. <laughs> but that was the guy that they wanted and they, they, they got him. Yeah. But, hey, I, I mean, I like those movies too. Like, like I was saying, The Big Boss is probably my favorite of all, only because, like you said, it's very intense. And it's our introduction to Bruce Lee. Yeah, that Man. was that was that was the first time that I got to see Bruce Lee. I mean, that was the fight scenes, especially the end. You know, I mean, Bruce Lee. I mean, easily or not easily, but he obviously kills the bad guy and gets on top of him and starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah, for everything that he did, and then at the end, I think that's when they shoot him and kill him, right? No, the um, the young lady he he was friends with. Uh, stopped him from, you know, beating up this the bad guy anymore, and then that's when the police showed up and he gave up and they took him away. Okay, so that's not the one where they. There's one where they kill him. They kill his uh his t-shirt. Yeah, that one's uh freaking a fist of fury. I believe. Fist of fury. They 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 shoot him at the end, or we don't know what happened. It goes off when he jumps yeah. in the air after them. Yeah. So, but all those movies are great, but uh, yeah, another great one, which I know will be going more in depth, but the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. That is our, our next week extravaganza. Uh, that movie is incredible as well. It's, With, no, that, that is, has to be one of the, uh, the top three of the greatest of the greatest. Oh, it's up there. I'll put it at number two after the big boss. Yeah, for me that's 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 a solid. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, that's I a solid number two or number one. The Dragon because it was very important as far as kung fu films in America, and I get it. But uh, I honestly think Jay, we lost Jay, but that's all right. You know why? Because Jay will return. Is the return of the Jay. <laughs> Jay has that, uh, what's happening in Georgia with this phone and Jay Lenderman? We're losing Jay Lenderman too much. I'm going to put Jay in his place when Jay answers. So, I don't know why my phone keeps dropping it. That's because the Obama administration went out of office, when was it, in 2016? Yeah. You're supposed to take their phone that they gave you when they were in power, put it in a box, and send it back to them, or take it to the store and get a refund. And maybe your phone wouldn't be dropping every 20 minutes. And I'm not taking a political shot at anybody. I'm yeah. just saying that those political phones, if you have a government phone and it's from that era, you yeah. might as well just return it. I don't know what you got. I've had it for about three years. Oh, okay. So then this is not a this is not a government sponsor phone. No, it's acting like one though. It sure the hell drops a lot of calls. I know. I In the know middle why. of the hottest podcast that ever. That That's ever, right. <clears throat> that ever formed himself in the United States of America. How about that Aaron Rodgers guy? Son of a bitch. When would <laughs> when would he play again? I've heard I've heard in the uh I've heard a lot of teams, but they don't talk about it, but in the NBA, in the NFL, when they're traveling to all the cities mm-hmm. and they give you the test. Like, they actually leave players behind. They have to stay in whatever hotel they're staying for 14 days if they test positive. Oh, wow. 
And they'll okay. let, yeah, they'll let somebody babysitting them. They'll, 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 they'll come and bring the food to the door and they'll have to stay there for 14 days because they can't travel once they test positive. Oh man, that's gotta suck. Yeah. I don't know how long before we, and we join a world where we're laughing at this. And not laughing at, you know, not laughing like it's nothing because we have all, some of us have lost people that we love to this, this to this disease, but you know, to we like in shock that somebody tested positive. You know, like it yeah. becomes it becomes something so so unreal that that you know that's what right. I'm hoping that sooner or later we enter a a phase that that this disease is gone away. I hope so too, man, for real. Because it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. It's the bad well, wing that refuses to uh, be digested. Well, next week I shouldn't have to worry about drop calls. I should have a new headset. Oh, that's what you do. You put the uh, you put the 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 phone, and then you put a special uh, earplugs. Yeah. Okay, so that's why it drops all the time. I got a friend of mine. He has the same problem. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I have to do right now. But like I said, I'll have a new headset next week. We're waiting. We're waiting. Yeah. Me too. How about the, <laughs> how about that Aaron Rodgers guy? Son of a bitch. I tell you. So Jake, going back to it, um the um the Shaw Brothers a great studio. I mean the, the I think when did they came they they finally closed their doors? The mid eighties? I think it was the late eighties. They didn't elder, make it to the nineties. I think they did because I think they had some sort of like a resurgence in the nineties, early two thousands. And they put out a few select movies, but I don't think there's anything widely popular. Yeah, um, nothing like their heyday. No, no. Well, the founder is a gentleman named Run Run Shaw uh-huh. uh, out of Hong Kong. I mean, they were producing how many a year? Like five, six or more? Oh, a lot. They were they were like an old school Hollywood studio when they were in their prime. Remember back in the day, if you've read about the history of uh, of all these people in Hollywood where they were making like... Five movies a day. The Shaw Brothers studio was just pumping movies like probably 12 or 15 a month. I mean, it was incredible. The amount of work. And then you have your, you know, Run Run Shaw has a little stable of actors like we talked about earlier. Um, And another guy who was in that was a gentleman named Gordon Liu. Who went on to star in 36 Chamber that we talked about. And he was... uh, a legend. All of his movies are good. Oh yeah, he ended up being in uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, he was he he was uh he was uh, uh a master in Kill Bill. He was at, uh, in part two when uh, the bride goes to train. Uh huh. That's that's who yeah. trains her, Gordon and Lou. Yeah, great and, great shape the guy was. I think he got sick recently, and because of his age, he's uh he hasn't been in good shape. If I remember reading right, I think he had a stroke. He had a stroke, but what a yeah. shape that man was in. Because, I mean, he never looked like he was old. No, but yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, he was in a bunch of movies. He was part of Run Run Shaw's group of reliable actors. And they all came from this uh, Pekina Opera House, I think is what it's called, the, the train all these actors, and they were just uh, relentless. Didn't Jackie Chan go there? He went there. Bolo Young went there. Uh, Sammo Hung. 
Samu Hong went there, and it's just uh, it was a place where man, they had to be, they had to embrace perfection. Yeah, and they had to be devoted to their craft. Yeah, and uh, I tell you what, they they put out a nice string of Hong Kong actors that are legendary. Yeah, because that that was uh, I mean, it made them household names. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, the Bantams, I don't think they got they were making uh, that good of a money. I don't think they're they're they, they were they were racking up uh good monies unless we're talking about uh low low hang who uh the toad. Hey there. Yeah, I'm right here in the Shaolin Hercules. Uh, dude. Hello? Yes, I'm here, Jay. Jay's headphones. Once again. <laughs> and then um we're talking so Jay, going back to it, like we were saying about the the Chinese Hercules, um, and then uh, Philip uh, Walk, who did the uh, he was known as Kuo Shui, who was Mad Dog, and they were the ones who basically had the uh, the big careers. Everybody else was uh, pretty much, you know, they faded away. They became legends and household names, but they faded away. So closing down on this uh, this. Uh, Five Deadly Venoms episode. Next week, we're going to hit him with uh, the 36th Chamber. 36th Chamber, Shaolin. I can't wait, man. This with, is With Gordon I mean, Liu. And if anybody is listening to this episode, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think we had to do some segments. It's, not, it's completely my fault. <laughs> what about that Adam Rogers guy? Son of a bitch. Blame it on Aaron Rodgers. That's what everybody. That's what the NFL is doing now. That they're heading for their big, biggest game of the year. One of the biggest games, probably the biggest game. They were waiting for a uh, Green Bay Packers and Kansas City, and Kansas City ain't worth a damn for some reason. And the Green Bay Packers ain't going to be worth a damn because they're going to be without a quarterback. They're still going to beat the Chiefs, though. You think they're going to beat the yeah. Chiefs without without Aaron Rodgers? Chiefs don't have a defense. Hmm. I don't know. That's why they suck. They don't have a defense. They can score 30 points, but if you can score 30 points and your opponent keeps scoring 32. Yeah. It's going to be like one of those Mac games where nobody plays defense. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, for all you future bidders out there, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> all, right. right now, I'm taking Green Bay. <laughs> By how much? It has been a crazy, uh, everybody was kung fu fighting tonight. It has been a crazy five deadly Bantams. We cover a little bit of it. I mean, there's really, we can't do the Bantams justice. And I know there's hardcore fans out there. I'm usually very careful of what I talked about. I'm just here trying to have a good time with Jay doing this show. Um, because people get real passionate about this kung fu movies, Jay. I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook and they get nasty. They, yeah, they when somebody say something they don't like about it, or you miss something in yep. history, oh my God, this is a show that you definitely have to take a few notes because this bastard's out here ready to cut your head off. They do, man. If you don't know what you're talking about, they're not afraid to spit you up and yeah, or excuse me, chew you up and spit you out. You know? Yeah, they got some cats out there. They know what scene, who shot it, who was the director, who wrote it, and right. um. 
you know, this movie, really, The Five Deadly Venoms has no flaws as a movie. It's a movie that will go on forever. Anybody can listen to it. Anybody can see it, watch it. Um, just the plot is excellent. The fighting scenes are excellent. And it has a powerful story. And it was one that broke the mold from, from a lot of those movies that they were making in which they basically emphasize on good storytelling. Because, hey, what, guess what? They already had the great, uh, the great athletes... Uh, martial artists that could do all this stunt, so why not have some good stories to go with it and the rest is history? Exactly. I mean, don't make it, I mean, like we were saying, Five Deadly Venoms is not a very simple plot, which mm. you will find in a lot of movies. Exactly, especially a lot of the ones that they, the formula that they had back then was the the the, the Abbott, and you would go and fight uh Fight the, the the bad guy at the end usually was the old man with the big uh with the goatee and the silver hair. Right. Yep. And that's what concluded all those movies. This one is a bit different. This one had a, a lot of intrigue. They incorporated mystery to it, so you didn't know what who was really the bad guy until the end. And I this, know. That's why it makes it a classic. Yeah, and then, you know, it all broke before your eyes and you were witnessing one hell of a movie that captivated you and you were so involved with that final battle. And it's an amazing battle. So, for the great Jay Lenderman, I am Powell Rojo, get well, Aaron Royers, and uh, rest in peace, Big John and Little John. We'll be back next week with 36 Chamber. Take us home, Jay, if your phone allows it. difficulties so folks somewhere between good and evil you can find us bringing you the tales from the abyss stay safe out there and thank you for tuning in